This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Where's their biggest financial impact going to occur? The end of surprise bills today on the Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto and excited to welcome back Nick Hutt. Hi, Nick. Hey, Erica. Good to be back with you. Today, we're actually going to cover a topic that is one you've been watching closely. Yeah, surprise billing is definitely a uh, compelling healthcare policy-related topic. There's so many different topics that are important and relevant to healthcare finance professionals. The challenge for me is just to choose which ones to tackle when. If I were going to single out just one that I'm going to be looking at for the long term, certainly for much of this year, I think workforce disruption brought on by the pandemic and, and just what impact that's going to have on healthcare organizations would be at or near the top of the list. It's, it's one that HFMA members and other healthcare finance professionals are going to be grappling with for a while. So we'll be working to provide insights on what they need to know. And another possible area of disruption is this new surprise billing legislation. Yeah. So let's talk about surprise bills. They've been an issue plaguing the industry for years. And at last, we have a piece of federal legislation aimed at eliminating them. So you talked recently with John Friedel, who is the vice president of national accounts at Abio, to talk about the No Surprises Act. So before we get into the interview, can you tell us a little bit about what the act includes? Absolutely. Starting on January 1st of next year, 2022, basically patients cannot be billed for out-of-network care beyond what would apply if they were receiving in-network care. And that protection, now it doesn't apply to all care episodes, but it does apply to any emergency care that a patient might receive and to non-emergency care for which a patient doesn't have any other option but to go out of network. And certainly that last scenario often arises, you know, when you're in a particular hospital receiving care and part of that care episode entails being treated by a medical professional who works at the hospital, but unbeknownst to you is out of network. So, John, obviously, a lot of people in healthcare, certainly consumer advocacy groups, but also other stakeholders and some legislators in Congress have been pushing to get something done to address surprise billing. And then when it finally happened, it may have almost gotten overlooked to a degree because it was sort of tucked into this larger year end package that included, uh, I think, the pandemic related stimulus measures and, of course, overall FY21 government funding. But now, it's finally gotten done after probably several years of wrangling and negotiating, and it could have significant implications throughout the industry. So, John, as you look at this new law called the No Surprises Act, do you think it will have the intended impact on consumers and helping them 
avoid these out-of-network bills that can really cause financial strain in many cases. So on a break note, yes, it actually does. It does do what it was intended. So the, the law's general intent was to protect a patient from going to an in-network facility. And while in that in-network facility, unbeknownst to them, seeing an out-of-network provider that then may submit a significant bill or a balance bill to them after their procedure or service, whatever they received. And so this legislation actually holds the patient only accountable for what they would have otherwise paid while in-network. So whatever their deductible or copay amounts would be. So the No Surprises Act is not the first effort to eliminate surprise bills. And there has been some movement on the part of some states to do it. So Nick, let's talk about some of those efforts and how we've moved in this direction kind of slowly but surely. The majority of states have some type of protection. The scope of the protection varies from one state to the next. I recommend that anyone uh, looking for a breakdown of surprise billing regulations in each state go to the website of the Commonwealth Fund because they have an interactive map that you can use to see what's on the books in each state. So if you go by their map, some states don't have any protection and only about a third have what you might describe as comprehensive protection against surprise billing. So this new federal law is designed to fill those gaps. And it seems to be about equal to the most comprehensive of the state laws. Now let's get back to the interview. It seems like between providers and insurers, in terms of the lobbying efforts that no doubt happened leading up to passage of the law, providers got more of what they were hoping for. One specific provision along those lines was the inclusion of an arbitration process to resolve out-of-network payment disputes. What do you think the significance of that measure is and what kind of impact could it have on payments? Uh, the law could actually negatively impact the revenue cycle for the providers. And what I mean by that is if a provider submits a claim to be paid, it has to go through that process. And if they get reimbursement by a payer or an insurer and they don't like the reimbursement, they don't feel it's fair market reimbursement, they're then to go through a 30-day negotiating process so they can negotiate together and try to come to some agreement. If that fails, then they can take it to arbitration. And so then now you're in the arbitration process. So you've gone through the billing cycle, you've gone through a 30-day negotiation, and then arbitration. So you've now extended that revenue cycle process. Now factor in however many claims that get submitted. If, if this keeps occurring, or reoccurring with a particular payer or across uh, several payers or insurers, uh, this could become you know, a pretty difficult and extensive process. On a bright note, they've allowed for in this legislation for batch billing or being able to take a bunch of claims to arbitration so that they can go through all of a batch of claims at one time instead of having to keep taking claims back and back and back and back. And that might make it a, a little more feasible to go through the arbitration process. This law goes into effect in 2022, and a lot of details are going to be filled in between now and then. But Nick, what do you think are the most important things to be considering right now? Uh, the first regulatory deadline to keep an eye on is July 1st, 2021. At that point, we should know the precise methodology that health plans will be required to use 
to determine the in-network cost-sharing amount that's going to apply to out-of-network care. And that'll be the basis for determining the balance of the cost of care that used to be potentially billed to patients and now will need to be settled between the insurer and the provider, which if they can't agree among themselves, the law calls for an arbitration to be used. And that mechanism, the arbitration process, will also be implemented over the course of the remainder of this year. And it's theoretically, it's going to need to have capacity to handle many thousands of bills a year, because estimates are that the number of surprise bills in a given year runs into the million. So you would think at least a fraction of that, a significant fraction, may have to go to arbitration. So there's definitely a lot to be thinking about here. This isn't something that people should be sitting on and just kind of waiting until it goes into effect. So in the last segment of the interview, let's hear what John Friedel has to say about the best strategic considerations for providers over the remainder of the year. So this really is affecting those providers that are out of network. And so they're the ones who need to be considering what's coming down the pike with regard to this legislation. So there's really two schools of thought in this regard. They can either be thinking about, if you are out of network right now, do I need to be considering going in network at this point? However, you know, there are several states, there are 17 states existing right now with comprehensive uh, surprise balance billing legislation in place. And there are physicians that are actually operating within those states that are still out of network. They can't balance bill the patient, but they're still getting considerable reimbursement and they are out of network. So that reimbursement out of network can still be significantly greater than negotiating in-network rates. So they have to consider is it worth it to me to take the risk to open negotiations with a payer before the federal legislation comes into play and negotiate at this point to go in network and potentially take a significant reduction in payment? So if everything's going well right now out of network, that's in a, again, a state that has legislation in place already. If it's going well, it may make sense right now to leave it alone and continue on as is, or they're going to take a financial hit. The second school of thought is with the legislation coming down the pike, if I am out of network now and I have some leverage still because it does cost the payer more at this point for me to be out of network, maybe this is the time for me to negotiate before the legislation is put in place. So they need to start thinking about what makes the most sense. What, where is their biggest financial impact going to occur? Is it going to be remaining out of network or is it going to be going in network? What makes the most sense long-term? There's a risk associated with both. So they need to contemplate those two things. This is a topic we're definitely going to keep watching throughout the remainder of the year. So Nick, where can people go to get more info as you're covering it? We'll be covering this extensively at hfma.org. I'll definitely be writing about it from a policy standpoint at hfma.org news. And no doubt the association will be providing ample guidance uh, just in terms of tips, best practices, and what providers need to know. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. 
Our president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. If you want to chat with us, hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn as Healthcare Financial Management Association and on Twitter at HFMAORG. Or as always, you can email our team at podcast at hfma.org. Chances are the more I talk, the, the worse I'm going to get. <laughs>